Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman and thanks for listening to this brand new cricket show that is broadcast every Tuesday between 6 and 7. The Cricket Collective will have a new host, different guests and fresh topics as the team who brought you TalkSport 2's overseas cricket coverage is reunited to bring a flavour from the different parts of the world. From the UK to New Zealand, via South Africa and the Caribbean, this is the place where we all speak a common language that being cricket, lovely cricket. And this week's show takes place in a country that has surely given the world more legendary cricketers per capita than any other, Barbados. Our own legendary Barbadian broadcaster, Barry Wilkinson, sheltering under a coconut tree in the backyard of the one and only West Indies Test captain, Jason Holder. Enjoy. Goes in, right arm over. Just Butler's been caught in front and he's out! Soon comes in again and balls, and this time Holder's driving beautifully oh. down the ground, threw it off, that's gone for four. Rashid goes in, Holder swings, swings hard and swings long. Driven, caught! Holder takes the catch and second slip. Sam Curran runs away from us, outside of off stump. Oh. What a hit! Oh my good night! What a beautiful shot this is. For me, this might be the shot of the day from Holder. Here comes Holder, and again now, passes on and balls to Root, and Root has rest of the time, there's a lot of people, LBW's gone! Oh, he's given him! Here is Jason Holder, who was at second slip, that's driven and caught! Jason Holder, and he will bowl around the wicket to Rory Burns, and Rory Burns is caught! First ball! Holder on strike on 198, short and pulled out towards deep mid-wicket, and has gone for four, and he's got 200! Jason Holder leaps into the air! Oh my goodness me! Well, it's a beautiful day in Bridgetown, Barbados. The sun is out shining brightly. Conditions are perfect for cricket and sports. But people are actually running to the grocery, stocking up on toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Yep, unfortunately, the coronavirus is here in the West Indies as well. And the pandemic has brought a halt to all sports and indeed the game we love, cricket. But it has given me a chance now to speak to West Indies Test Captain Jason Holder. Uh, Jason, first of all, how are you viewing this COVID-19? Well, for me, you know, I'm just trying to educate myself as any, anybody else in the world and just trying to do the necessary things to prevent the, the spread of the disease. You know, as you said, we've just had our first two confirmed report, uh, reported cases. And for me, it's just a, manage, a matter of management. You know, we just need to be very careful as individuals and make sure we do everything in our powers and do, to 
practice the proper hygiene and, and make sure we don't spread this this disease. Well, I would shake Jason's hand, but I'm just sitting in a distance from him. Um, we were at his home, and it's it's like like I said, it's very peaceful outside, very quiet. What are going to be your plans, Jason? Because uh, as it stands now, there's a great uncertainty about the cricketing calendar. There's a great uncertainty about what's going to be happening this year. Um, if there was no COVID-19, what would Jason Holder be doing now in the cricketing world? Well, we were scheduled to have a week's break um, in the regional four-day competition. And, you know, I probably would have been practicing because we still try to keep a tune of uh, with our bodies and our, our, our cricketing skills. So I think we would have probably have practice scheduled this week. And uh, just preparing for next week's encounter against the Jamaica um, Scorpions. And, yeah, that was pretty much my plan. And, you know, that's been obviously cut short for now and postponed due to the... the um, the pandemic going across the globe and for me it's just sitting tight now you know just sitting tight now and seeing what happens what transpires and trying to be as safe, safe as possible and you know hopefully things can settle down you know quickly and you know we can all resume some kind of normalcy in the world but you know and the, at the rate is spreading you know and, and the way things are going you know we've just definitely got to sit tight and hope and hope and keep our fingers and toes crossed now let's rewind then jason 2019, what a year that was for the West Indies and how it started. Chase down the wicket and it's all over. Ruston Chase, Sam Curran comes charging at him. It's fired down the leg side and Sam Curran is stumped by a yard and a half. Excellent work by Hope behind the timbers. England lose the first test in Barbados. And for you, you had a, a fantastic year test cricket-wise. One of the best all-rounders, if not the best all-rounder in, uh, in test cricket. Holder, Holder's pulling. Oh. Holder's pulling well. A lot has happened in a year, but let's review 2019. What kind of year was it for Jason Holder? Um, it, it wasn't a bad year by no means, feet, but I don't think it was as good as, as 2018 per se, um, personally for me. But um, yeah, I had individual performances, and you know we obviously had the the big series win against England. Here's Jimmy Anderson, new over, short and pulled away by Campbell for the winning runs. The West Indies have beaten England by 10 wickets with two and a bit days to spare and they take an unassailable 2-0 lead in the series. I think holistically, if I look at it um, from a holistic point of view of, of all three formats, I don't think it was my, my best year. Um, you know, I try to mark myself pretty hard and try to set pretty high standards as well too. So coming off of 2018 where I felt as though I had if not the best year of my cricketing career, um, I think I've you know, probably fell, fell back a little bit in 2019. But, you know, it's a new year here in 2020. I think 2019 is behind, behind us. And for me, it's just about, you know, getting myself attuned back to playing and, and playing, you know, international cricket. I think we, we haven't played. Well, I took a break off um, early in the year against Ireland and, you know, went to Sri Lanka, which was a tough tour. But, you know, I think personally for me, and I still have, you know, a fair bit to, to keep improving on. And hopefully we can get some test cricket going again, you know. I think test cricket is... It's the best way to actually get some cricket on your belt. You know, you get some overs on your belt. You know, you get time to spend in the middle. And it's not rushed, <laughs> you know, per se. I think that, that puts my cricket in good stead and gives me a fair, fair time to actually, you know, spend some time on my craft. So we're looking forward to the calendar ahead. But again, again you know, we just got to sit tight and see. Test cricket, 50 over cricket, T20s, you play them all. Uh, which is your favourite and which continues to be the one that you want to, to leave a legacy in? Test cricket. Test cricket is the ultimate game, man, for me. Um, growing up, 
It was only test cricket and a 50-over cricket, to be fair. And you always were marked and critiqued mainly on, on your performances in test cricket. You know, you, you become a legend of the game through test cricket. I don't think many people would, would stand out of being legends in the game via the one-day route. But obviously, with the advent of T20 cricket, there's always a debate now of white ball versus red ball cricket. And still, I think red ball cricket would take precedent. And... I just want to be remembered for a great test match cricketer, you know, and not only per, per se a test match cricketer, but a great cricketer. And, you know, f in order to do that, you know, you, you've got to be consistent. And more than likely, every time you step on the, on the park, you know, you're being scrutinized and, and marked. So for me, it's about keeping my standards high and, and making sure I'm doing everything in my power to, to win cricket games for whoever I'm representing. That series against England last year, which is uh, now exactly a year old, there seemed to be some hunger, some hunger in the belly of Jason Holder and the West Indies team. And while it seemed like England were trying hard, it just felt for one moment that we were back in the glory days of the 80s and 90s when the West Indies were just a superior team to England. But England are indeed a very good side. Why do you think the West Indies were able to conquer England when you go back and look back at that test series that they won to one? Well, to be fair, England has been relatively inconsistent in Test cricket you know, over the last year and a half to two years. Um, I think if you look at the status of their cricket at the moment, you know, outside of Joe Root and Ben Stokes, I think their, their batting lineup is is pretty inconsistent. As uh, Roston chases in again, Bolden burns. Oh, what's happened? Here is Joseph once again going away from us. Pitched up, edge caught behind. What a spell! He's got another one. Oh my goodness me! Just Butler's on the back foot. Kimar Roach has five. They've been going through a phase, obviously losing people like Alistair Cook, um, Ian Bell, who have been around England's team for a number of years. So it's, it's a matter of trying to find people worthy to replace them. And, you know, when we look at that series, or look back at this series, we felt Burns was relatively new in his career. In right arm over. That's a lovely shot from Rory Burns. Jennings is similarly. Beautiful shot there by Jennings. You had Ben Fox who had only played one series. Uh, Bearstow was now coming back into Test cricket. Now that's much straighter. So Bearstow pings it over mid-wicket for six. Holder goes in. What a glorious shot that is by Josh Butler. Josh Butler as well too. Also really, really just coming back into Test cricket. So... When you look back at the series, it was always a series for a lot of England English players to, to make their mark and, you know, obviously trying to, to, to cement their places in, into their side. So we felt it was a it was a loophole to attack in terms of trying to get into their to their experienced players or bringing their experienced players to the fore and putting more pressure on them to do the bulk of the scoring. Um, if you look at our bowling attack too over the last two to three years, we've been doing outstandingly well. Rich gain. Hold it, goes in, right arm over. Just Butler's been caught in front and it's out. How will it behave as the test match goes on? He's bowled him. Josh Butler's been beaten by a full length delivery from Shannon Gabriel. It's clipped off stump. Timar Roach, myself, Shannon Gabriel have all had, you know, pretty pretty good years um, in the recent past. And I think our bowling attack, you know, if you probably look at it look at it on paper, you know, one of the better bowling attacks going around world cricket. And, you know, we bat that. We bat our, bat our abilities to, to go out there and, and get 20 wickets and also just put the team in the right direction. I think if we could pinpoint a weakness in, in our in our test, a test team is probably our batting. First ball to Roston Chase. Here's Wood again. Balls and it's edge. Caught in the gully. Just main, mainly down to the fact that we haven't had consistent performances. You know, we've had individual brilliances, brilliances um, here and there, but it's never been a case where we've been consistently 
putting runs on the board everything every single time we step on the park. Uh, I think our middle to lower half has pulled pulls off of many holes <laughs> in the recent past as well too. Yeah, and we would expect a lot more from our top order. But uh, I think if we had look at the series at the beginning, um, we we pretty much pumped up ourselves and uh, gave ourselves a really good chance because you know we were obviously playing at home. We've got a very very good bowling attack, and we think. Uh, well, we thought uh, we could just put enough runs on the board for our bowling attack to do what they've been doing over the last couple of years. And, you know, everything worked well for us. And we held our chances in the field as well, which is significant. And that's an obviously an area that's let us down in the past as well. And, you know, we put runs on the board and we obviously got 20 wickets. Chase now bowls to Butler. Yes, Butler's yeah. driving in yeah. the air and he's caught spectacularly. Oh, that's a catch of the match. Undoubtedly there from John Campbell. And Roston Chase, the off-spinner, has finished with an 8 for 8 for 60. England bowled out for 246. I think the series basically set up here in Barbados. The way we played in Barbados was outstanding. And I think it really rocked England. You know, I don't think they expected um, a West Indies team to, to put up a performance that, that we did in, in, in Barbados. And... It put, probably put them on the back foot a little bit, and then obviously they needed to rebound in, in Antigua. And to be fair, the toss is crucial in Antigua. Um, I felt the toss is really crucial based on, on what, I, what I've seen prior to the, to the first day's play. And, you know, we were able to win the toss as well. We put, put them into bat and we bowled them out. Anderson chips one up into the air, and it's caught! I think what was, what was the highlight in that test match is the way we batted in the first innings, particularly Darren Bravo. Moeen is in. Bravo oh. is in behind this one, pushing into the onside, and they will take a single to take Darren Bravo to 50. And he will raise his bat at the non-striker's end now. And he gets a huge ovation from the England supporters. 215 balls. Yeah, but that nut was important just mainly due to the fact that it wasn't the type of surface that you could play um, freely on you know the surface is a bit inconsistent in terms of the bounce and his knot was was crucial you know we, and then we were able to get partnerships around him and it ended up being a, a relatively big first in his total in the context of the game uh, and then again you know we came back in the second innings when when bowling and, and we were able to bowl England once more and we only had like I think 15 20 runs to, to, to win so yeah I mean that series would, would always be one that stands out in the back of my mind just mainly due to the fact that you know, we, we actually delivered on what we wanted to. And, you know, we played some very, very good cricket. You know, the cynics would say that the, the pitches played a, a massive part for the West Indies. They were tailored towards helping the fast bowlers in Kemar Roach and Shannon Gabriel. Uh, a bit of green. Um, was that something that was pre-planned, to have those kind of pitches prepared to favour the West Indies fast bowlers in that series? I think if you go back to, I know we've had a lot of coaches in, in the recent past, but if you go back to even the days with, with Otis Gibson, uh, and then since Otis, we had Stuart Law, and now we had Stuart Williams as well, who took over for Lowell, Henderson Spring was there, and now Phil Simmons. I think they've all wanted, you know, wickets that would assist a little bit more um, seeing bowling. Uh, I think in the past, in West Indies cricket, particularly in regional cricket, We've had so many dust bowls in terms of spinners dominating. And spinners have really dominated regional cricket over the last maybe decade. Uh, it hasn't been the case where we've been able to have a, a consistent spinner doing well in it, uh, uh, on the international scene. So I, I think the history of West Indies cricket will show that we've always relied heavily on fast bowling. And that's where we've had our success. So, um, And I think it would improve our, ba our, our batters as well, you know, in terms of them having or being exposed to... to, to what, I quote Carl on this on what, what he would say sport index 
uh, where it offers a bit of assistance to the faster bowlers, and it obviously tests your technique. You know, I believe if you could make runs on those surfaces, then you would basically be attuned to, to most surfaces around the world because, you know, if you go down to, to places like Australia, South Africa, you know, the pitches are a lot quicker there. And then obviously in the subcontinent, you get really, really good pitches to bat on, and I think you, you, you should be good enough to make the adjustment there. So pitches, we've been we've been having a, a, a massive crate to produce proper cricket rickets. Um, I must say that there's been a significant improvement, but still not to the level where we would want it to be or where I, I feel it should be. Uh, and there's obviously some continuing development that needs to needs to happen there. But I think for the most part, we just need to continue to, to produce good surfaces to, to obviously um, offer a better spectacle of, of cricket. I don't think we want to see bat-dominating ball or ball-dominating bat. Uh, we would like to see a really fair balance where there's something in it for the faster bowlers, there's something in it for spin, spin bowling as the game goes on. And then as a batter, once you play yourself and you get in, you know, you can go really big and make some runs. So I think that's any, what any fan or spectator would, would, would love to see. Welcome back to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. If you're just joining us and would like to catch up on any of the interviews so far, never fear, just download the following on podcast and today's show will appear in your feed shortly. You can also listen back to all the previous week's shows. We've heard Jason Holder's thoughts on the Test Series victory against England, so let's hear now how he believed the limited over series went and West Indies misfiring World Cup campaign. Jordan comes in and balls him, and this delivery is edging and he's out caught. Kuran is gone. This is now real trouble for the West Indies as this delivery is edged and out caught at first slip. Well, this is a disaster, an absolute disaster for the West Indies. An incredible performance by England. They bowl the West Indies out for 45. Sorry, no, no, wait, you heard that correctly. For 45. That was a short ball. He's edging and is out caught by the keeper. That's another one gone for the Indies. Woeful batting continues. Brathwaite waits. Bat race. Edges. Oh, what a catch, Johnny Bairstow. It's fault straight off the bat of the ground. And 11 overs and five balls have gone. The West Indies were bowled out for 45 in that amount of time two days ago. This evening, as Cottrell goes, bowled Wood for four from three deliveries. They're 60 for nine. Adil Rashid bowling to McCoy. Beauty, there's no doubt about that one. The Googlies don't rim again the left-hander. Well, the West Indies bowled out for 45 in 11 overs and five balls two days ago. Today, 71 all out in 13 overs flat. 61 minutes for a T20 game. Wow. And Morgan gets it over this. Down the leg side. Sweeps and sweeps well. That's going to go back quarter of square into the boundary for four. Game, set, match England. They've had a clean sheet in this T20 series. They've defeated the West Indies 3-0 and deservedly so. We're speaking with uh, West Indies Test Captain Jason Holder, who of course is being put on a what do you call it, impromptu holiday because of this COVID-19. Uh, Jason, as we continue, so we, we spoke quite extensively about that series against um, England. The West Indies then went and they, they kind of kind of flopped in the white ball series, two all in the ODIs and then uh, 3-0 in the T20s. What would you say was the main problem 
in those 50 overs and then we, we look at the T20s? No, I felt the 50 over competition, the 50 over series was a, was a good series, um, especially where we were at before. And I know England was the one number one side in the world. I thought we played a really good series. We pushed them. You know, they were under pressure throughout the entire series. And then to be to one down and play in the last game in St. Lucia, and then to come and put up a f- performance that we did under pressure well, was tremendous. You know, I think um, if I remember, well, Shane Thomas got five wickets in that game and it really rocked them as well, too. Here comes Thomas looking for Pfeiffer. Runs in now and bowls to Curran and Curran is stealing the lane. bowling. Oh, that's a Pfeiffer for Oshane Thomas. He finishes with five for 21. See, I felt that was a success. And then the T20 series was, was a bit of a disappointment, basically, because obviously we, we wanted to, or well, the main plan was to keep the nucleus squad together, uh, preparing for the World Cup. Um, that would have been our last opportunity as a group um, before heading into the World Cup. And uh, the issue was that the tri series in, Bang- in Ireland against Bangladesh in Ireland, uh, we would have would have clashed with the IPL, which mean which meant that we would have lost a few players to IPL as well. So we would have never had the full squad together. So we kept the same squad. Um, and I think at that stage too, a bit of fatigue sat in, and then obviously England um, obviously outplayed us in the series. So. Yeah, it didn't go as according to plan, but I think overall the series was a really good series for us, you know, and we got a good gaze to see where players were at, you know, what we can expect to players, different roles, different scenarios, and uh, for me it was a success. Now, you, you look at the fact that you, you alluded to the Ireland tour, which was a mini-success, defeated Ireland, but weren't able to beat Bangladesh in any of the matches in the ultimate final. On to the big stage, the big World Cup in England, where there were some... A bit of rumblings in the West Indies set up because it was a change of administration as well. And like you said, the hope was to keep that nucleus, but things got changed. How much did that change affected you? I'm talking about not having the same coaching staff and the same managerial staff that would have led you into that uh, w- into that World Cup series. How much did that affect the team at that particular time? Well, it came as a major surprise to everybody. Um, you know, we had just done really well against England under obviously Richard Pybus and his, his team. That's played again. Oh, that's Plunkett down the ground. Should be caught. Should be the end of the match. It is. How suitable that the captain, Jason Holder, was underneath that ball. As it hung in the air, you felt certain he would catch it. He's a fine man and a fine cricketer. And he's led West Indies to a fine victory tonight at the Kensington Oval. Suddenly, the next series, you know, he's gone. Um, me, personally, it was tough. You know, as I said before, we've had a number of different coaches in West Indies cricket. And at some very inconvenient, in, inconvenient um, times. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough time trying to adjust to the new coach in Floyd Reefer. Um, I had worked with Floyd prior to that in regional cricket. Uh, playing for CCC but uh, many of the other guys hadn't you know probably worked with Floyd before and it was for me a short time to get you know accustomed to, to new dynamics and heading into a major event such as the World Cup you know probably people would say it wasn't the right timing I would probably agree the timing wasn't the best um, I felt as though we, sh- we could have gone back to the World Cup or gone to the World Cup with the the last management staff which would which would have worked well and then, you know, we reevaluate after the World Cup and, and see what happens. But it didn't go that way. And, you know, we, we started well against um, Australia. Again, the, the... Against Pakistan. Against Pakistan, sorry. That is the end of that. Too much room given by the West Indies and Pakistan. 
all out for 105. We lost the game against Australia, which uh, we should have won. You know, uh, we could probably say that, but quite a few of the games which we played in, in the World Cup. Yeah, it was a very disappointing campaign. You know, it was a very, very tough tournament because we weren't doing well, uh, and obviously because we got ourselves into position to win games, we, we weren't able to finish them. And you know, we we as individuals have to take responsibility for it, um, albeit whatever circumstances we were put under. And you know, if, if I look back at the World Cup, and I were to be able to do it over again, obviously a few things you, you, you would want to change and and seize those big moments in, in, in the games which we had to win. And I felt the game against Australia was crucial. You know, we were obviously on a high after uh, beating Pakistan, and then. We were really, we were really in a good position against Australia, and then we just threw it away when we were batting. Oh, there's a fielder there. That is the very last thing the West Indies wanted to win the over. 150 wickets in ODIs for Mitchell Stark, the quickest to reach that figure. And the West Indies have crumbled, and Australia win by 15 runs here at Trent Bridge. So, yeah, I think that, that, that put a damp on our spirits. And then, you know, the game against South Africa, which was a crucial game because South Africa weren't doing well. Um, we were off to a really good start again in the field, and then the rain came. So, I mean, I, I think from, from then, then on, you know, we were always trying to, to get back momentum into the tournament, and uh, we never did. But uh, as I said before, we've got to take responsibility for it. And obviously, we've got another few years before, before another World Cup. Lots can change um, then. But I think with the current crop of young players that we have, if we do the right things and, you know, we keep building towards that, you know, we should put up a much better performance in that World Cup. You had someone like Andrew Russell, who many people were happy to have back. He, he literally dragged himself into that World Cup. His, his knees were, were giving him trouble. Uh, did, you, did you feel that he put his career on the line for West Indies at that particular stage? And uh, did he make that difference that you expected as captain of the team? I think arguably anybody would say no. Every single time Russell steps on the cricket field, you know, he's putting his career in jeopardy, you know. Um, I've seen him um, in the dressing room. I've obviously played with him and his knees are not in the in the best shape, you know. He's really been struggling and trying his best to, to stay on the park. And it has been a struggle for him, you know. But his, to his credit, he's done a lot of work in trying to do everything in his power and blood to, to get on the cricket field and perform. Um, it was tough because, obviously, he wasn't able to, to do things as he would like. And trying to manage him... Um, and fitting him, fitting him into the team's plans, you know, it was obviously a challenge as well too. Um, but I would never fault his effort. I would never fault his commitment to West Indies cricket because, you know, he gave everything. You know, he put his body on the line. I remember the game against Pakistan. Got him. He is sharper than you think, Andre Russell. Oh, look at that ball. Has he done it again? He has, Andre Russell. We were obviously doing well in that game as well, and it was never my intention or his intention to bowl more than three, four overs on the trot. And I think he ended up bowling six, seven overs. Because and he was pretty quick too. Yeah, because he was in a really good spell, you know. And at that stage, we needed to break the back of the Australians. And, you know, he was able to, he, he, he was willing and able to put his put up his hand and do it. You know, it cost us uh, in the sense where it took him a while to, to, to recover. But he came back out and batted and, you know, he didn't make a massive amount of runs. But, again, the efforts could never be faulted. So, yeah, he was a, a, a major, a major um, 
a major trump card for us uh, and it didn't it didn't really pay off or pay dividends uh, as it would like uh, but uh, i guess you could say that about a few other t- uh, players who didn't have the best of world cups as well yeah, hold that please level five thank you Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2 and an interview from Barbados this week between West Indies Test Captain Jason Holder and uh, Talk Sport 2's broadcaster Barry Wilkinson. We've heard about beating England, about struggling in the World Cup, but what about the man who has been a major part of Caribbean cricket? Well, since the turn of the century, I guess. Chris Gale. Here's Wokes again. Down comes Gale! Chris Gale has been 
on everyone's lips recently. He's just turned 40. He's only 41 this year. Um, he's been playing in some other leagues, but he hasn't played in terms of West Indies since that uh, World Cup campaign. Uh, I think he intimated that he, he wanted to come back and he played just, of course, rain falls of that series against India a lot. But, I mean, I, I guess I'm building up to the tax of question. Do you think that he has a major future in West Indies cricket? Uh, he hasn't retired, or I think he has, but then came back and said he's not. But do you think he has a, a future still in West Indies cricket in, in the 50 over and T20? Well, it's hard to say, you know, I'm, I'm not the captain anymore as well, too. But um, I think I saw something um, come out from the coach. Um, I'm not sure how true it was, but I think it was along the lines of it may be highly unlikely that Chris would come back into this, into the team or or something to that effect. So I'm really not sure, you know. Um, me, personally, I've enjoyed all of my time with Chris in the dress room. You know, um, when I first started, Chris was in the dress room and, I started at 21 years old. Uh, I can't remember how old Chris was at that stage, but um, well, you're 28 now, are you? 28 this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, 29 this year. Well, you get an old, Jason. Yeah, getting on in age, but <laughs> it was always a pleasure, you know, growing up watching Chris on TV, and then suddenly in the dressing room sharing sharing it with, with with him. But I enjoyed everything, every moment playing with Chris. You know, he's one of those guys who. It's never short of entertainment, never short of fun. You're going to talk to us. You're going to talk to us, please. Please talk to us. This is talk sport after talk, of course. <laughs> two, dude. What do you mean, two youngsters? Eh? These two youngsters. What are you up to? What are you guys up to right now? <laughs> we're cruising. We, we talk in the breeze. We talk in the breeze. Are you sure you guys need to talk to me? Well, I'd like to talk to you if that's all right with you. How, how's your form? Oh man, it's a bit low. It's on a low side. It's 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 par to be honest with you. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I should get you know two fifty. Grey ones in that beard, don't they? Yeah, plenty, man. Plenty grey. I get them from Goffy. <laughs> and, and that's just his mantra. That's just the way he he would be remembered. You know, in any single dress room. You know, just he's always he's always been very very quiet. But you know, when he when he does express himself, you know, is is something that you would never ever forget. So yeah. If it is, or if it so happened that that is, or, or that has been the last that you see in Chris Gale in, in West Indies Colors, but I would just like to personally congratulate him and thank him, you know, for his contribution to West Indies cricket. But again, that's beyond my control in my hands, and I would hope that if it is his last, you know, or, or if it, if that's it for Chris, you know, that we would do something special for him and give him a re really good send off to show him the appreciation uh, for playing for West Indies. But if not, Hope to see him back on the park and you know smashing the ball all over the park. Did you expect more from him during the World Cup? I think everybody would have expected more from Chris, you know. But again, he didn't he didn't fire the way we would like. I would have liked, but yeah, he, he wasn't prolific in terms of his uh, his whole World Cup career, if you if you want to put it that way. But um, his presence was definitely felt. He shared a lot in the dressing room. He shared a lot in terms of planning, um, and and that's what or that's all we, we would have asked of Chris. You know, maybe at 39, um, everybody would always say, you know, you, you 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 would love consistency, but you probably wouldn't get it. But we know that Chris is a guy who could win a, a match single-handedly. You know, that's a gamble we we were always willing to take. And he had a really good series against England as well too. So. He was carrying some form going into into the World Cup. He had just came back from the IPL as well, where he'd done well, really well for for Kings Eleven. So he had he was carrying form. So look, it's just one of those things where you would expect and hope that your, your players would come off, but it just just didn't happen. From the World Cup, 
that disappointment in the World Cup, then to play against India at home. There was a lot of support, even though the West Indies had lost in the World Cup or didn't get to the, the major qualification stages. Um, but things remained the same. The, the opposition dominated the West Indies. It was India winning the T20s and India winning the 50 overs. What would have gone wrong there, first of all, before we talk about the Test Series? Well, um, we were played. Um, India, obviously, a, a really good one this side. The first one, it was rained out in Ghana, but then we went to Trinidad. And I remember Shreza getting some runs. Kohli got to about, to about centuries. And... Yeah, we, we never really we never really recovered from there. Uh, I think the first game was also reinfected, and if I remember, and, and it was a reduced game, and Coley and Coley ended up scoring a hundred and I'm not sure if it was Cameron chasing or setting, but yeah, again, I think the, the normal thing in terms of our, our downfall has been our batting, and it's particularly one the cricket in that stage. We, we didn't bat well in that series, and and then we paid we paid paid for it, and then I think. If I'm not mistaken, in one of the games, to our death bowling and let us down as well, too. Just trying to close the innings out. But, um, yeah, again, outplayed. And we as individuals, again, we needed to take responsibility for it. But, you know, I think a lot of improvements needed to be made in terms of our the style in which we were playing and, and obviously just executing our plans a lot more. You know, we would plan well, but then we'd probably play maybe 70-75% of the game well and then we fought the last 25% and it mainly happened in the back half bowling and in terms of batting we may not have gotten off to a really good start or even if we got off to a really good start we then lost our way in the, in the middle to end so we've never been able to put together construct a complete game and you know in order to beat good good size and India's you know, arguably one of the better size if not the best all round team in the world uh, in order to beat those sides, you've got to be consistent in all three departments. You've got to match up to their, to their, to their big day players, and I don't think we did that. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense then talking about the Test Series because <laughs> you basically summed up what happened there. Uh, it was on to the CPL. Uh, the Barbados tried its one, and you were the captain. But that was a turbulent time for Jason Holder because during that CPL, you learned that you had lost the captaincy of the West Indies uh, team, talking about the 50-over team. How did that affect you, or did that spur you on to win the eventual T20 series of the CPL? Yeah, it was an interesting time for me. Um, I had found out, I think, early in the tournament that you know I've been removed as, as one-day international captain. Uh, as you said, we played the CPL, and for me, it was just trying to, to trying to win it. You know, we we were off to a pretty good start. Um, sorry, we lost the first game against Ghana, and then we went to St. Kitts, won that game. And, you know, it's, it's really then, you know, you're just trying to get your campaign off to the best of, best of starts and, and trying to get yourself into the tournament. Um, for me, it was difficult, especially coming off of last year's performance where we didn't obviously qualify for the playoffs. Um, to come back this, well, come back in 2019 to to put up the performance we did and we, we really peaked at the right time in the competition you know I felt the game against St. Lucia the last home game against St. Lucia was crucial because we had to win that to get into the to the playoffs and then yeah the way we won the game because we, we came from nowhere to win the game uh, we only made like 140 and then St. Lucia were cruising and then we, we happened to get wickets and, and bowl them out and I felt that was a game for, for us in the tournament when we won that game it, we just, it just gave us all the confidence all the momentum to head into the playoffs with and then we had to sit tight and wait to see where we would finish and we end up finishing I think second behind Guyana yeah. and yeah they really just put us in a really good spot uh, we lost the, the 
the first eliminator in Ghana against Ghana, which was a tough game. Brandon King outplayed us. Oh, he was brilliant. Yeah. He played the top innings that day. And then we went to Trinidad. And the Trinidad game was a special game too because we were playing Trinidad in their backyard, pack crowd. And Trinidad, you know, we're, we're obviously, uh, have obviously been a really good team. Yeah, but they're a dynasty in Trinidad. They don't lose. Exactly. And yeah. to beat them in Trinidad, and not only beat them, but beat them in the fashion that we did, you know, was remarkable. And that carried us into the final. And honestly speaking, when we got into that final after beating Trinidad, I knew we were going to win it. I knew it. It was, it was, it was destined to be honest. And I wanted to play Ghana again, undefeated team in, in the competition. They had beat us in Ghana in the first game, beat us in Ghana in the playoff. And we knew, or I've, I think I had figured out by then, you know, how to tackle it. You know, and I remember planning for the game um, with the team. And we had our separate team meetings, bowling meetings, and, and just planning our strategies as to how we can go about it. And... It was, every, it was everything was just clear and precise, you know. I think that was one of the most precise meetings we've probably had in the entire campaign, and I was just sure as to how we were going to beat them. You know, just one of those things where you've seen them play enough, you've seen us play enough, and just know well, look, this is how we're going to play the game, this is how we're going to beat Ghana. And yeah, the game started off okay for us. You know, we were, we were behind the eight ball, and then we had some brilliance at the very end. John O'Carra, Ashley Nurse, Ray Marifa, and put us into a really good spot. And I knew from the time we got that last score on the board, there's no way Jaganda's going to chase it. Now, I felt we, we had the best ball in the competition. And I bat our guys to defend it, you know. And I knew Ghana wouldn't, weren't going to get, get the, the one. I think it was 170. Yeah. There's no chance of them getting that in the final with the young players. And sure, Malik, to his credit, done an exceptional job with the youngsters. And my main plan was just to take out Shoeb. I felt Shoeb had a pivotal role to play in every single Ghana innings. Not with his personal contribution with runs per se, but just shepherding the troops. You know, he was able to calm the other youngsters around him. You know, telling them when to go, telling them when to hold back, and you know, you tackle the head. You know, I knew once I got him show up early, and sure it wasn't there to guide people through that innings. It was tough to ask the youngsters to produce on the big stage. If if the youngsters were able to do it on the big stage, they deserve to win. You know, but it was it was something that I had in the back of my mind knowing that look. Take out Shoeb, let the youngsters stay by themselves to make the decisions to, to shepherd themselves. And I knew it would have been pressure on them. Welcome back to the last part of this week's Cricket Collective. Thanks to the Institute of Cricket. And a big thanks to Jason Holder, who not only supplied this time, he also suggested much of the music that has been played through the show. In this last section, he opens up about the effect losing the limited overs captaincy got to him. Here is Jason Holder, who was at second slip. That's driven the court! Jennings furious, but well bowled Jason Holder. Jason Holder. And he will bowl around the wicket to Rory Burns. And Rory Burns is caught. First ball. Holder comes right arm around the wicket. And Ben Stokes has played at this one. Edged this one in it's through to the keeper. And he's given out. Top edge gone. Pull shot. Bear Stoke. Jason Holder takes the wicket. Oh, he's bowled it. Holder is straight through. Johnny Bairstow. It's hit the top of off snap. Here comes Holder. And again now. Passes on par and bowls to Root. Root is wrapped in the cloud. There's a lot of people. Abu Dhabi's gone. 
Oh, he's given him. Here's Jason Holder. He's leading from the front as captain. Struck on the pad. LBWP. Holder goes in, right arm over. Just Butler's been caught in front and it's out. Holder, oh my goodness, he sent Keaton Jennings all the way back over his head and into the stand at long arm. Jason Holder is hitting it clean as a whistle. So we continue to talk with Jason Holder, the test captain for the West Indies. Jason, let's talk now as we wrap up post CPL. The honeymoon was over, it was now back to business, but not as captain. How was it reintegrating with uh, Kyron Pollard? What's the relationship like between you two? And did that affect you? Because your batting has not been the same, to be quite honest, since you've um, you know, not been captain of the team. Your batting has not been the same. Tell me a bit about that experience and, and what has happened that you've had that bit of deterioration and your around ability has not perhaps shunned with the bat like it should. Um, to be quite honest, it's, it's been tough transitioning back as just a player. Um, and you know, you say thinking back on it, it's, it has been tough to try to understand how to to get back in a fit back in as just a player. Karen, Karen and I are, are very good. You know, we we actually share a lot, uh, and I've tried my best to help him because for me, the winner has to be West Indies cricket, regardless of who's captain and regardless of who's yeah, who the administrators are. It's just about West Indies cricket, so I do everything in my power to make sure or ensure that when we step on the cricket field, that we as prepared as we possibly can. We've planned, you know, we, we've got as much information shared in order to, to beat the opposition. So I've given him everything that I possibly could give him. You know, performances haven't obviously been there uh, as I would probably would have liked, but, you know, I'm not too disheartened, man. Um, I, I don't get, I don't beat myself up, you know, I don't get too worried because I know my ability, I know what I can produce. I just know uh, uh, it is around the corner. Um, a bowling effort is around the crown. I felt I needed the break after the in India series, particularly just to refresh. Uh, I had played every single series the entire year. I had played county cricket as well. Uh, my batteries needed a little bit of a recharge. Um, and obviously, I needed some time to go away and think about how I wanted to go forward um, as a player and trying to work out, again, how just to be a player as opposed to being a captain. Um, situations haven't really gone my way in terms of having an extended time to bat in one day cricket, which I feel personally has has contributed not for me well, for, for for me not having that score. Um, I'm a batsman who who needs a little bit of a time need a bit bit of time to get in and you know then flourish. And I haven't had many opportunities to get a solid knock. And then there hasn't been much test cricket going on as well, too, which I said earlier helps me a lot in terms of spending time at the crease and, you know, getting that, 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 that batting that you would like. But again, I'm not too disheartened, man. I'm, I've done a lot of thinking. I've done a, uh, a few technical sessions trying to work through a few, a few things that I wanted to, to correct. And yeah, I'm, a, I'm really good spirits now. Really, really good spirits. Uh, I know the performances will come. Um, and I'm just being as patient as I possibly can to, before that happens. And, I don't think it's long before you see me getting back to, to my normal self. You know, I'm, I'm very, very confident. You know, I don't think it's a question of my ability. I know my ability. It's just you know performing and producing. And as I said, the the structure and dynamics have changed. And obviously, based on, on how things have gone, it's little to no time going in and back. So I just got to find ways to cope and produce in the short stints of, of, of batting it on the international stage. So, you know... Um, 
I will work it out. Confident I will we'll all fall back into place. Bowling hasn't been too bad. Um, so it's just a matter of just continuing on and having. It's gone for six. Shea Hope punches the air. Broad can't believe it. What a shot that is. That's the winning run. Shea Hope has done it. I obviously want to score centuries for my team and as many runs as possible to the team so we can win games. But it's just good to get that monkey off my back. And as I said, do whatever we can to make the team win the game. Let's say the COVID-19 subsides. How confident are you looking forward to the England Test Series that the West Indies can win? Yes, very, very confident. Um, this series will be tougher than the one in the Caribbean um, because we're obviously going in their backyard and England are very, very good side in their backyard. Um, even although we beat them in the last series, I would still think England will start as favourites um, being that they're playing in their backyard and they know the conditions in and out. Our guys still, be, although most of the guys would have had, well, I don't know the squad yet, but I can't see the nucleus of the squad changing drastically. So most of the guys would have had an experience playing in England. And I think we will be in a lot better stead than we did last, than we were in last time. But if you look back at our, our series last time to England, it was, for me, a success as well. You know, we didn't start well. We came back in Leeds. We won a really good test match. And then we fought well in, in Lords. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it personally. Uh, I've had, obviously, experience playing in England, both on the international level and and the first-class level. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, you got guys like Craig Barfit, who's played county cricket as well and international cricket there. Anderson, once again, from the pavilion end. An open face of the bat here, Craig Brathwaite. It's very skillfully played, actually, all the way along the ground and all the way down to the unguarded third-man boundary. Shea has done the same. Well, not county cricket, but he's played enough international cricket and did really well there as well. Stokes in again and bowls to Hope, who's driving beautifully through mid-off. That's gone for four. That's the second glorious shot we've seen from Shea Hope. So, yeah, we've got some guys going back there with a vengeance, per se. Um, if you speak to a lot of the guys who were on that tour in 2017, everybody would say they can't wait to go back. Now that they've had the experience of playing, everybody just want to go back and, and probably probably just make amends for what, what would have happened in 2017. You know, we, we believe personally um, in our abilities, and it's just a matter of understanding the conditions. And now that we've had that experience, I should only hope that we should be able to, to then put it into practice and, and, and make a better showing than we did last time. And I have full confidence again in bowling attack. I never worry about our bowling attack. I think our bowling attack is, again, one of the best bowling attacks in world cricket. You think Shannon Gale will be fit? Um, I've spoken to Shannon personally um, a few times over the last couple of months. And he is confident that he will be ready for the England tour. Um, obviously, he hasn't had a chance to play any cricket. And he's just trying to get himself back to, to a reasonable level to get back on the field. Um, I've said to him and I've said to the management staff as well, I don't think we should be pushing him to, to force him to play cricket before England. I think we just need to be very, very patient with him. He's been a senior member of our team for a number of years. And I would think that we would express that, um, that luxury to him as to give him as much time as he needs to, to, to recover and make sure his recovery process is is carried out properly before rushing him back on the park. And I think we've got enough time between now and, and the first test match to get him back playing. And we've got a few camps planned as well. And then we've got, I think, three warm-up games before we play the first test match in England. So my hope right now, uh, as it stands, is not to rush, not, not to have him rush back 
to first class cricket but to have him ready for the camps and have him ready obviously for the warm up games in England and then hopefully he should be ready enough to, to play the first test match but again I'm not part of the medical panel that's just my personal view and my personal opinion on the whole matter but I feel, still think 100% that Shannon should be fit and ready to go for the first test match. Great stuff, Jason. And you're now free to go and play that round of golf. At least that's allowable. Uh, Jason Holder, thanks for talking to us on TalkSport. That's it for this week. Big thanks to Jason and Barry. The Cricket Collective will be back next week between 6 and 7 on Tuesday evening on TalkSport 2 with a different host, a different topic and a different sound. Do join us. If you've missed a part of this show and would like to listen back, then a podcast will soon be available. Just download the following on podcast and the Cricket Collective will drop into your feed every week. It's available on Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparcel Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.